0: Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's Word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know
1: truth, and live accordingly.
0: All right, and welcome back. We've got another edition of Three Minute Theology, and we're going to do it just a little bit differently today because we have been graced with a listener question uh, and we had a, a listener write in and ask us to discuss a particular topic so we want to get to that one as soon as we we can uh, and if you would like us to do that as well we'd love to hear what sort of topics you're thinking through. So so the question that we're answering comes from Colossians um, let me rephrase that. the question we're seeking to answer comes from Colossians 124. Uh, and the question is, what is lacking in Christ's suffering? So Michael is going to uh, discuss this for us tonight. I want to read Colossians 1.24 for us so that we can gain an understanding of what it is exactly we're talking about, and then Michael will have three minutes to talk about it, and we will have conversation regarding this topic as well. So Colossians 1.24 says this,
1: All right, so the reason this is, this is that this is a fantastic question to wrestle through and necessary to answer is that we as Christians believe that Jesus, when he said, it is finished on the cross, meant it. Mm-hmm. That there is no more work to be done to, to earn or accrue salvation. That the Son, once for all, did away with sin. And so we have to ask the question, what does Paul mean mm-hmm. by lacking in Christ's sacrifice? What is he getting? Is he... Like Is this a theological thing he's got that somehow Jesus didn't do enough and that he requires his apostles and ministers to do more to make up? Um, And the answer to that is no. (laughs) Uh, Put it simply, but I want to work through why that's the case. An important thing to do, um, the word that is used here, this lacking in in sacrifice, um, is used elsewhere in Philippians 2. It's where Paul is speaking of his disciple, I think it's Epaphras, Epaphroditus, yep. It's a pap- and uh, at the end of this chapter, he, um, we are told that Epaphroditus was sick almost to the point of death. And he says this, Paul writes, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold people like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to compensate for your absence and your service to me. The literal phraseology behind that in the Greek is that same word that's used in Colossians about lacking. In his suffering and so what we see though is the way paul uses it here is he's saying that that epaphroditus was able to do what the philippians weren't that he was with paul and he could serve him incarnationally face to face in person and so when we think about what's going on here then what paul is saying then in colossians 1 with his ministry is that by filling up what is lacking in christ he is compensating for Christ's absence, as as the translation I read said. In other words, Jesus is not physically in his body right now with the church. He is in heaven one day. Hallelujah, we'll be reunited with him. But until then, Paul is saying that he is filling up what is lacking in that the sufferings of Christ was not known to the entire world. It was only known to Jerusalem in many ways, it was only into a very small group of people. Then the ministers of the gospel who were then sent out by Jesus went into the world, and they were like little Christs. That's why they were called Christians, which means like little Christ. And what that means then is that when the church goes out and suffers and shows for the gospel ministry, they are in essence filling up what is lacking in that Jesus' suffering is not known and shown and displayed in the whole world. And so what Paul is saying here then is that by him going out and suffering for the Colossian church to see him, he is displaying the cross of Christ in a way that they otherwise would not have seen it. And he is making and he's filling then that lack or that absence of the very person of Christ to them.
0: Right. That was a great explanation a um, few questions to follow up. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is anything to the view that would state um, something to the effect of um, that the suffering of the church is is going to take place until the return of Christ? Um, and Paul is saying here in this verse that he is absorbing some of this suffering for the sake of the Colossians. It could be, yeah. but I would say even more. What's interesting interesting, is he says,
1: you know, Christ, for the sake of the church, that is his body. Mm-hmm. So Paul is very vividly pointing to the fact that the church is really considered christ's body and he yeah. believes he was a servant suffering for it. so I, could, I think you could say that mm-hmm. and i think he's also getting at what he says in galatians 6 where he writes from now on let no one cause trouble for me for i bear on my body the marks of jesus yeah. which I, I think that that's the same concept essentially so he's saying that his stripes and his wounds and his suffering is christ's suffering because he is an apostle and i think in a very similar way that we could say that we as the church when we suffer mm-hmm. we are doing the same thing we are taking the gospel and making it known through suffering the the way the suffering servant Mm -hmm. suffered for the sins of his people we aren't doing it in a way that fulfills righteousness for other people in a strict sense but our suffering is so identified as we are the body of christ that actually points to that beautiful glorious reality that jesus has has um taken our sin on the cross so i think that that's what what paul is thinking um and i think further to connect it with even some other ideas. So in John 14, Jesus says this ridiculous statement, it seems like at first, right? Can you sounds, say that? Yeah. Can you say Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it seems like it until okay, you actually yeah, read your Bible further. Right. Yeah. But, but Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I leave you. He tells his disciples because he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he says after that, and you're going to do even greater works than me. Mm-hmm, and you think, mm-hmm. okay, time out, Wait, Jesus. What? Like, how is it yeah. that you can both that you can say these two seemingly impossible things that it is better that you're gone Mm -hmm. and that we're going to do greater things than you well we would say that the reason it's better that he's gone is because he says he's sending the holy spirit who Mm -hmm. is who is um going to represent him fully in us and glorify christ through um, convicting us of sin and bringing righteousness in us through His indwelling, but then simultaneously, how can Jesus say that we're going to do greater works? Well, the greater mm-hmm. works I would argue are is the church going beyond, as we see in Acts, just Jerusalem, but into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the greater works is not more powerful works than Jesus. That's not possible. Right, right. I think the greater works means broader display. Of gospel fruit than just Jesus in his localized ministry in his body. He, think of this. Think of it this way Jesus took on a body and he was not a shapeshifter. He was in this body. But by his resurrection in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ is now the church who are mobile temples. And now you have this explosion picture, right? Where Christians are representing the body of Jesus and are doing greater works by being all over the world mm-hmm. and extending the reign of the gospel as jesus extends his kingdom through his church mm-hmm. right so then to tie that back then with what paul can say here when he says lack filling what is lacking that's what i think is getting at is that him and his apostolic ministry which is then given to the church after the apostles are gone and we are not that we're apostles but that we continue the work of the ministry of christ that we as the gospel extends through us, as it says in 2 Corinthians Mm 4.15, as Mm -hmm. grace extends to more and more people, it abounds to the glory of God. Why is God glorified through the abounding of the gospel? Well, I would say that it's because the greater works than Jesus are being done because the Holy Spirit is in us bringing about that reality, right? So I think what Paul is getting at then here, when we think of Colossians 1 and Philippians 2 and Galatians 6, as we just said, is that the lack of is not lacking in Christ's sacrificial death, right. but it is in that Jesus had more people he wanted to save. And think of it this way. It's really I want to be careful with words <laughs> here. He's almost saying, I can't just do that with my one body. So I'm gonna fill all of you with the Holy Spirit, and you guys are going to complete this mission. But Jesus is so sure it's gonna be completed because He He is through the Holy spirit going to bring it about through his church. And I think that that's a, a, an amazing display of, of Christ's purposes in the world, but he does this through the church and through and Colossians one, Paul's suffering to bring
0: these realities about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so why, why is this good news for average Joe Christian? Why does this matter? Um, for the mission of the church in what we are seeking to do, in you know equipping the saints or mm-hmm. taking the gospel to the nations, why is this good news?
1: Well, let me put it to you this way: If you are listening to this in America or in in some country that is outside of Jerusalem, you are a direct recipient of somebody fulfilling the greater works by suffering, like Paul preach the gospel to somebody who preached the gospel to somebody else who preached the gospel to somebody else who preached the gospel to somebody else Mm. and down through the ages you are now a recipient of this massive discipleship chain Mm. that has happened and so why does it matter you would not be a christian (laughs) if this didn't happen because that's how christ is going to save people is through the multiplicity of disciples which looks like christians being willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel all of us in in america are are in many ways you could say are believers because people suffered to move here to begin this country to instill religious liberty the you think of all the work that has gone on before us and the saints who have paved the way so that we can live as we do i mean this is this is christians suffering to make this happen in many ways and so so what i would say is that's very basically Mm -hmm. we are here because of that reality as christians um but then even more than i would say that there's There is redemptive purpose in all of our suffering, so that if we go out and we are living our lives in a way where we are, we might not, as Paul, be bearing direct scars for the gospel in the sense of being whipped and and beaten because we're preaching the gospel. But in our lives, as we suffer for Christ through the fallenness of this world and through making sacrificial decisions, which might mean maybe not chasing the career opportunities we otherwise would, or the commitments we have to make to our family and their priorities prioritization of the local church and other things as we make these decisions joyfully Mm -hmm. and have to turn down other things we are doing that to fill what is lacking in Christ's suffering in some sense so that the the glory of jesus is made known through us Mm -hmm. and so that's what i'd say in terms of how i would apply it in my own
0: yeah that's good personal life yeah and and just maybe to tease out a phrase that you just said a little bit more that we're making these decisions joyfully Mm -hmm. why is it that Christians are, I mean, I think the only ones who would be able to make these decisions joyfully. Why is it that we can choose to, to, to make those difficult decisions, um, deny ourselves? Why can we do that with joy?
1: Well, we can take up our cross every day with joy because as we look only at jesus the originator and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross mm. despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of god so we consider him who endured the cross with joy yep yes with agony but with unmitigated joy as he looked beyond the cross and despised that shame knowing what laid beyond we know the glory that lays beyond mm-hmm. and we are sold out that that is the only thing that ultimately matters is the glory of heaven, the glory of the promises of things like Romans eight seventeen, where we're told that we will be glorified with Him, provided yeah, we suffer yeah. like Him. Yeah. So the church is willing to do that, and not just willing, but like Jesus who joyfully yeah. went to the cross, we joyfully make decisions that may seem completely counterintuitive to the world yep. because the world has been crucified to us through the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we see no lack in the cross. Yep. Therefore we are willing to fill what is lacking in the, <laughs> by going into the world mm-hmm. um, with indomitable
0: hope in the gospel and yeah. it's, and it's a uh, precious message. Yeah. So. And Jesus got up from the grave. Yeah. Like, You know, we we can we can make these decisions because (laughs) we serve a resurrected Savior who promises that, yeah, you're going to suffer. But guess what? You're also going to resurrect with me. Mm -hmm. So we've got some hope in this uh, as we go about the difficulty of it all. Uh, So, yeah, that, that I mean, I'm not sure I have any further questions. I think that was a really helpful explanation um any other final closing words before we wrap it up here
1: yeah i think to some to summarize everything we just said simply because jesus has no lack we are filled with joy and go to complete what is lacking which is not his ability to save but the amount of people he has yet to include as God is patient and we, and we haste the coming day of his return. But until then we press on with this indomitable joy, trusting that Christ will save more until he
0: returns. Amen. And what a word to end on. So until next time, we want to charge you as always to love God, know truth and live accordingly. (music)